I, I could eventually see Elon Musk changing all of his brands just to like X. And um, I know that they, they've been working on that for a while. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's great. Uh, Twitter, Twitter's been around for a long time. It's never really been profitable or really figured out like, this is what we do. Um, it's, it's kind of been like this, almost a nonprofit social media, uh, project that people have been working on for a long time. What I'm nervous about though, is just the constant iteration and change of something new, right? If I were a business and I was putting my money in there as ad revenue, Right, I would not want to be putting it into a company that was consistently changing, and not just little changes, big changes. Right, like I would not want to be relying on this audience or this follow through or this ROI coming from this uh, business that's consistently going through these huge swings. I think rebranding is great. It's like we we changed the culture of the company. Now we're changing the brand of the company. So I would I would have done the same thing. If I was Elon Musk, if I'm Gary Bird, no, I'm holding on to the Twitter brand. Um, but if I'm Elon Musk's brand's bigger than Twitter. Welcome back to another episode of Dental Rift. I'm your co-host, Gary Bird. I'm the founder of SMC National, where we help you create, convert, and close more new patients so you can grow the way that you want. My name is Tanner Applegate. I am the CEO and founder of Unified Dental. We are a solution that is solving the fragmentation of all of your technologies into one single place. So we got a couple really, really good topics today, Tanner. I'm excited to talk about number one. We just got back from Dykema. That's a that was a really great event. I would love your feedback about it. And then also you have a toothbrush company that recently was threatened to be removed from the NASDAQ. Um, and so I'm super, super duper curious about that. And then also we're going to talk about Twitter's rebrand. And lastly, there was a video recently that went viral of a doctor and he, uh, somebody I've had on the podcast before, I've talked to him quite a bit. And he did a video on why dentists ha- are one of the higher suicide rates and what's driving that. And um, it was pretty interesting to hear from a dental perspective and all, read all the comments from non-dental folks in there. So which one do you think uh, we should start with today? Well, let's just start with Dykema. It's kind of been one of the most recent. How was your experience? You guys had a booth. You were there representing, obviously, SMC. You did your event beforehand. How did that go? Oh, it went great. The event the day before we got the MPS scores back for it, everything. We had one detractor um, only. So that's huge when you do the... What was was the biggest uh, kind of content piece that you guys focused on? Uh, So the biggest one that we worked on was, uh, that was newer, was the... um, AI um, and ChatGPT and how to use it to build out your avatar. And then once your avatar is built out and it understands who, where, what, and why, and it builds all that out for you, then you can start to build your patient journey inside of ChatGPT. And then you can build all of your SOPs for your patient journey in the in that same thread. And you can build all your scripting for role-playing and, and just how to respond to different problems. And it literally does it all for you. So before it would have taken i don't know months to build something like all that stuff or longer right um and i was able to build that out on stage for people in 30 minutes and just kind of show them that that seemed to be the the piece that people were like man that was really interesting that's cool yeah Yeah, i always love doing live demos with chat to an audience that's never used it hey i got a secret for you dental marketing agencies are dead you got that right 
dental marketing agencies aren't performing the way that they used to because there's so much more complications to growing a dental office than just getting a marketing company. At SMC, we are passionate about being a growth partner and helping your practices grow the way that you want. And we have a free newsletter that goes out every single month at dentalmarketingdigest.com. If you sign up, it's free. And there's over a thousand practices that are already getting these free tips. You don't want to miss out. Sign up now. Links below. Yes. Yeah. It It makes you look really good as the user. (laughs) As long as as it goes well, right? It can also be really boring. I've seen people do it really boring where it's just like, man, this is like watching paint dry and where ChatGPT doesn't do what you want it to do. Like if you if you kind of go try to do things that maybe you haven't done before. So I did do some live examples with people and um, thankfully it all went pretty smooth. So, but it, it can go south on you. How, how was it for you overall? I thought it was really good. It's one of the more well-attended events. I feel like it was nice that it was in my backyard. So I was able to kind of go home in between events, which was always a, a fun surprise to have. But all in all, I feel like Dykema is not a place where you go to get content. Um, obviously, though, there were a lot of great content options out there as far as learning and developing. I think the place for Dykema is really just all about connection yeah. and networking. And they deliver on that every time. They create a good event that causes people to want to be together. And I always get a lot of value from just being around a lot of people there. And I there's been so many times that I've gone into these events where I'm like, I don't have anything that I want to get out of it. so I'm not going to go. But then by showing up, I walk away with so much. Oh, so many. I can't, the con, the network, it's the best. I think it's the best event in dental. Like this is the, if I could only go to one event every single year, this would be the one that I would go to. I agree. I'm That's the same awesome. Way. Awesome. Um, what, what one do you want to tackle next? We got the toothbrush. We got the the Twitter rebrand and the Dr. Avi video. What was your reaction to the Twitter rebrand? I just have to ask. I I mean, I, I, I could eventually see Elon Musk changing all of his brands just to like X. And, um, I know that they, they've been working on that for a while. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's great. Uh, Twitter, Twitter's been around for a long time. It's never really been profitable or really figured out like, this is what we do. Um, it's, it's kind of, been like this almost a nonprofit social media uh, project that people have been working on for a long time. And uh, I think rebranding is great. It's like we we changed the culture of the company. Now we're changing the brand of the company. So I would have I would have done the same thing. Um, uh, and now is it going to work? 100 percent. Yeah, 100 percent. But if I was Elon Musk, if I'm Gary Bird, no, I'm holding on to the Twitter brand. Um, but if I'm Elon Musk's brand's bigger than Twitter, so he he can he can do stuff like that. But I agree with that last comment that his brand's bigger than Twitter, but I still think that I'll be interested to see how this impacts a lot of the usage of it. Not not because like, oh, the brand's changed, therefore I'm not going to use it. I've always felt like in general, there's been a lot of like complaints or issues of how they're how it's been utilized recently. Like the limitation on the amount of things that you can even see, like that kind of stuff. I'm like, why would you create a barrier to people utilizing your platform? Like, sure, he wants to eliminate bots. He wants to do all those things. But to me, I'm like, that barrier, there are a lot of people that can easily hit that barrier. Why would you Why would you create that barrier for them to utilize that? 100%. Yeah, I, I agree with that. There are there are different business things you got to be careful of because of the... Um, 
because it is a social media platform, you can't create friction. So I agree with that. There are some things that they have to work through there. But I, I think overall, I think they're going to be fine. I think what they do have... I up- think- Go ahead. What I'm nervous about, though, is just the constant iteration and change of something new, right? If I were a business and I was putting my money in there as ad revenue, right, I would not want to be putting it into a company that was consistently changing and not just little changes, big changes, right? Like I would not want to be relying on this audience or this follow through or this ROI coming from this uh, business that's consistently going through these huge swings. Yeah, I there, there can be problems with that, but at the end of the day, Elon has a track record of making things work, and I think he's going to make this work. And I think what he's going to do is just bite the things that are working on other platforms. So I think I see him potentially going after podcasters and going after people who um, are creators on other platforms and then paying them to come and create content there. YouTube's done a really good job of that. I think some of the best content creators are on YouTube. And it, the reason why is because they make money there. So um, that's oh, what yeah. I kind of see happening in Twitter. It's, at least it seems that way. We'll see. Guess time will tell. All right. So let's talk about Brush a little bit then. Yeah. So Brush, B-R-U-U-S-H, is a tooth, toothbrush manufacturer. They started back in 2015 and they went public in 2022. So it hasn't even really been a full year yet. But they went public and they went public at a certain IPO amount, but have recently gotten a notice from the NASDAQ that they're going to get delisted, right? So NASDAQ has some requirements in order to stay on the NASDAQ that they weren't meeting, right? So some of those requirements are you can't have your shares be below a dollar per share for more than 30 days consecutively, and you have to have a minimum market cap of 50 million, right? Both of those have been ones that they violated their market cap is only 28 million and even though they're at their highest point when they kind of launched they got up to about four or five dollars per share they're now down below a dollar per share for a while so they're a penny so they're gonna get what delisted they yeah right yeah so what, well, what the, the penny stock the would be fine if you can stay a penny stock brush b-r-u-s-b-r-u-u-s-h what happened why, why did they fall apart so much well, it's because they were a direct-to-consumer uh, product, right? And so if you look at like the 2015s and the times when they started, that was all the rage. Like you look at Allbirds, you look at all these other companies, like direct-to-consumer model was something that VCs were pouring a lot of money into. So they got a lot of money, they started building it up. But now as just market shift, the direct-to-consumer brands are not as big. I mean, look at Peloton, yeah, like even that kind of stuff is like falling off, and so it's just I think part of the market cycle. They're not able to keep their revenue up because the interest in it is not there. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't know a lot about Brush, but yeah, it's a tough market going direct direct to consumer. It's a lot a lot of instability and competition can move in really really quick. When you work work in B two B, it's a little bit harder to overtake somebody who's in a business because there's a lot more decision making processes and steps that you have to step through. And there are a lot more opportunities uh, to build moats for yourself. But yeah, the direct-to-consumer, someone could come out with a toothbrush tomorrow and knock you off. Well, not only that, but you're fighting against these entrenched mega corporations like Phillips and Oral-B and such. And so, 
I mean, yeah, you might be able to gain a little bit of market share while the hype's high, but as soon as the hype dies off, can you continue to beat that market share? It's not like you'll ever really be able to do distribution better than them. Yeah, exactly. Like, so a good example of this is like, if you come out with like an amazing box of macaroni and cheese and you have something really unique about it, so you put it out in all the grocery stores, next thing you know, Walmart knocks it off, <laughs> even then puts it, puts it right next to yours and puts it at a lower price. Amazon knocks it off, puts it right next to yours, puts a lower price. So it's it's hard to maintain that because those bigger guys, once something works, they don't they don't try to create stuff that doesn't work. They wait to see what other people create that works and then they copy it and offer basically a generic version of it. Kirkland man, king of that. Hey, Kirkland, yeah, Kirkland's another one. Yep. Exactly. They just come out with their own. So it's like, how do I build something that they can't copy? And they can't knock off. And that's hard. A toothbrush is hard on that. Yeah. So let's, let's talk. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Let's hear about Dr. Avi. Yeah. So Dr. Avi. So Dr. Avi has been on our, uh, my other podcast. If the guys can flash those up here, we've had several talks and he's an associate. So he's an associate dentist who works for, worked for several different dentists out there. And he's building his own company on helping dentists sell more clear aligners and basically has an online course that he sells to help dentists with that. And so he's been making a lot of content. And recently he just posted a video and that video, um, the last I saw it, it's at 300 right now, 308,000 views. He posted it two weeks ago. It's a 12 minute video. So that's a lot of views. Most of his other videos are doing like a thousand, 500, maybe, you know, or lower. So, so this is like a hundred or a thousand X of what his normal traffic is. And the topic was, why do dentists have such high suicide rate? And he actually goes through and he does a good job of like, just articulating like, Hey, dentistry isn't what you think it is. Like he breaks down insurance. He breaks down a lot of the doctors that he's worked for, how they've basically stolen treatment from him. And he had to, you know, he worked super hard to go uh, learn a treatment and then the doctor would take it from him and move it off his schedule. When he came in that day, it was just not on his books anymore. And he, he talked about how he would go and ask like, Hey, can I go learn how to do a new procedure? And they would be like, sure, if you pay for it, you know? And so he would go and pay for it, learn, learn how to do it. And then while he was gone, he would be replaced or he would ask for a vacation. And while he was on vacation, he was re- he gave an example of how he got replaced on vacation or something like that. I don't want to misquote him, but it was just like, he went through and just listed all the downsides of, of dentistry and uh, the pain involved with it and just the long hours, et cetera, et cetera. And this is why dentists um, go through that. And so I just thought it was interesting that it got so many views. And I know it's a big problem because uh, dentists, both male and female, have a really high suicide rate in the dental industry, uh, much higher than most, almost every other industry out there. It's very, very high on the list. And so I just thought it was interesting that it got so many views because that's not dentist watching that. That's the general public watching that. And usually this is a conversation that happens behind closed doors in the dental community, but it now is kind of seeping out into the general, general community. Does he mention anything about, um, feeling alone or kind of isolated within these practices? Yeah. He talked about, yeah, isolation. Uh, also like just the culture of dentistry as a whole, it's very cutthroat and like not supportive, you know what I mean? Like, and, 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 uh, I don't know how in depth, I can't remember how in depth he went into that, but he definitely mentioned it. 
I'll have to watch that because that was one of the things that I've seen with dentistry general, especially in the private practice model, which has shifted a lot in the DSO space, but it depends on the culture that you're getting into with DSOs. But I think that if I were to pinpoint it, the, a lot of these older practices were single doc offices. Yes. So you are a leader at the top by yourself without anyone really to connect to. And then it can be very lonely, right? Your patients don't want to see you. Your team members are literally there because that's just how they make their money. But you are alone in the struggles and difficulties that you're facing. You don't really have anyone else that can really sympathize with you on a regular basis, right? And that's why I think that they study groups were big and these uh, associations like the state associations or the ADA, like that was a big um, push in order to build some camaraderie in the space. But all in all, I mean, now I think that the DSO space, and that's one of the reasons why it's so attractive for newer associates is not only that there's a mentorship aspect to help you learn and become better at your craft, but I think it's also the the camaraderie of like, I can talk to somebody about my problems or talk to them about difficulties that I'm going through, et cetera, because there's more than one doctor in an office. Yeah, that's one of the things that I actually talk to them about. Is the number one thing that associates want is mentorship, especially now with school. That's in schooling, they don't they don't get a lot of hands on training. And so he was like, "That's the number one thing that dentists want, associate, especially new associate dentists, is mentorship." And he's like, "Everybody says they do it," and he's like, "In my experience, very few, if any, do it at all. It's kind of like." Here you go. Like, if you need something, come. And in the how he explained it to me was, these dentists are busy doing their own dentistry, and it takes a lot of time to sit down and explain and go through things. And so, not having somebody there to talk to is a big part of it. And then here's here's the topics of his videos: dental insurance, dental stress. So he broke down dental insurance. Let me start there. Dental insurance and why you know sometimes he does work that he doesn't get paid for. Dental stress inflexible schedules, no paid time off, and then financial stress. And I think that's the component that a lot of people forget, especially older dentists, is that coming out of college before, you might have $100,000 in debt, $50,000 in debt. Now these guys are coming out three dollars to $500,000 in debt. You don't even own a practice yet. The average dentist is making... 120 to 150,000, right? You don't own a practice. You're not making anything above that in profits or anything. And what people don't realize is you're literally paying thousands of dollars on that debt at the beginning. So you think, oh, 150 grand. Yeah, everyone should be able to live off 150 grand. Well, take out taxes and then take out your debt payments of thousands of dollars a month. You are quickly recognizing, man, I thought I got into this role in order to make money. And I'm not going to be making money for a long time. 10 years. Yeah. Five, 10 years. Right. Unless you just live like. Even a Dow school debt's eclipsed to med school school debt. That's crazy. How? How is that even possible? I think that there's a demand for the shorter uh, schooling cycle. <laughs> and so a lot of people are going the dental school route. And so because of that, they're able to increase these fees. Wow. Well, man, good talk today. Wild. I appreciate you. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon. Peace. Peace.